Hello, Richard. Hello, Raymond. How are you? I am. I play basketball again. Come on, man! Did you not learn your lesson? Look, man. I have you to uh, thank and blame for this. Because you see me and you're like, I don't want to end up like that. <laughs> One faithful day, you sent us a picture of the dark side of the fupa, <laughs> and it scared the hell out of me. You're welcome. So scared I, me that I went to the doctors and I was like, I'm gonna die either way. I don't care. <laughs> Fuck it. Give me another Big Mac, please. I decided to do something about it. I want your honest opinion though. Um, I I look haggard and I just got out of the shower and I'm uh, heat stroking again. Yep. Uh, close your eyes real quick. Just close your eyes. And wait a second. I'll be honest. When you look, do I look like a serial killer? <laughs> you look like fucking uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Okay. Good. Is that what, is that what you're going for? <laughs> can I ask you now? Can I ask you an honest question? Because I get yelled at by my wife all the time. Are you a towel dryer or a drip dry kind of guy? I'm like a once over towel. Yep. Like kind of shake, get the get the heavy beads off, and mm-hmm. then mainly I just let I let it the air dry happen. My fucking man. That's what yeah. I wanted to hear. My it's hair also- is completely soaked. I did not dry my hair at all. I usually go to bed like wet, and I don't even care. And she gets very upset with me. Yeah. Yeah, but she gets upset a, with me for everything. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, the going to bed damp is a little bit. I do the same thing, and uh, doesn't go over well. Undies are wet. I'm wet. Go to bed. <laughs> That's how I roll, baby. It's your first mistake wearing the undies. Well, I know. Well, sometimes the kids sneak into bed. I don't want to explain to them what that inchworm is between my legs. <laughs> you need you need an extra <laughs> layer of protection so when you roll over, it doesn't actually climb inside of you. Yeah. Yes. You Thank you. Yeah. Um, all right. Again, uh, we are graced without the pre- pleasure of the queen. Um, <laughs> His vacation days. What's going on? We, what, is HR going to have a meeting with us soon or what? Well, this is this is season two, so he's accrued. <laughs> he he's accrued a, shit. He's accrued another hundred and eighty hours worth of uh, leave time, I guess. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, and this is this is one of those, but that's fine. Oh, but the holidays don't count. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Where normal people get, you know, their general United States seven holidays, Bill gets ten of those plus any other time he wants. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's fine. We'll go ahead and talk to uh, Mr. Uh, Flobo Boyce. Yes, sir. Uh, coming up here, we'll let him in. He's ready. Comedian uh, and entertainer of sorts. We'll let him in. Let's see what his connections like. I bet you it's good. He has his own think, show. Yeah, you would think. You would think he would be. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Oh, that fucking was fucking quick. That was fucking quick. He is a professional. What up? What What's up, man? up, man? Killing my friends, living life, and everything in it. You know how it be. Excellent. I also see that you cracked a beverage. You can uh, disclose it if you want. But this is a drinking show, and if you're on our level, then things started off very well. Well, well damn! I wish I knew that beforehand because I'm, I'm, I had tequila, but now okay. I'm just drinking club soda. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't just, sure. I wasn't just sure. so, just so we're all on the same page. You're in LA, which is four thirty. Yeah, four thirty LA. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That okay. boy. Specifically, yeah. <laughs> I like a four PM tequila generally. Uh, That's what I'm but... talking about, man. <laughs> and I'm self-employed, so sometimes five o'clock is like nine AM. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. That, that happened to me on Saturday. It was very nice. 
we were just talking about our HR department that has uh, no control over our third host, which we won't be joining us today because he's probably knee deep in tequila as well. Oh man, yeah, I was watching some of your episodes. There's always, there's always that one. You know, we're just waiting for that one. <laughs> Can't stop the show. There's only one guy. Uh, yeah, well, we're gonna start the show without him uh, right now. Actually, there's my cue. <laughs> <laughs> With us now, joining the Supermind Sports Show, is comedian, master of ceremonies, award-winning DJ, entertainer of all sorts and all the likes, uh, Flobo Boys. Welcome, me. man. Oh, man, thanks so much for having me on the show. This is going to be a good time, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he also has a really nice, like, background. Like, it's really inviting. It is. <laughs> it's Not- my actual dresser. So when I come out the shower, I'm always like, am I recording? But- <laughs> <laughs> is that but, yeah. red light on? Is that light on? I'm, I'm going to be fucked right now. I got a, a Green Lantern. I have like one of my awards. I have a pop version of myself and then all the DC comic book characters on top here. Perfect. There you go. We'll get yeah. into DC in a minute. I have a question on that. I just like the plant. I, we just have, we do six shows a week and I have to look at Ray's fucking furnace every one of them. So <laughs> this is nice. Yeah, if you ever get merchandise, that furnace plushie will sell millions. <laughs> yeah, man. I hope so. <laughs> Start slapping some logo. How do we not have that sponsor yet? Damn Who it. is that? I don't know. I'll have to look. Thank you, Flobo. <laughs> Damn. Uh, all right, man. Let's get into it. So, obviously, you're real casual here. We, we got some questions for you. We'll kind of move the conversation wherever it goes is where it goes. Sure. Uh, but as a uh, you know comedian and master of and everything that you do in the entertainment business, what, what was your first love? So you're a stand-up comedian. You got some albums out. You got everything going on for yeah. you. Was was it comedy or was it just an entertainer? Give us your a little bit of story behind uh, so the entertainer. There's there's two ways to look at that. Uh, I would say one stand-up comedy that came to me in 2014. Uh, so that first time I was on stage was uh, August 10th, 2014, at the Comedy Store LA. If you guys are not familiar, it's kind of like oh, yeah. hollowed ground there. Um, it's not. I didn't, I wasn't the cause of this, but to me, the the, the week I started, it was a week that uh, unfortunately Rob Lawrence said like. Uh, passed away so even though i grew up with robin williams i always felt like i was kind of like a like a synergistic for that all you know i'm happenstance mm-hmm. if you will but as a kid i was a huge and i still am late night talk shows like i used to watch it all the time uh i always i want to have my own one day and if you meet someone who's my age that liked late night talk shows it's because you have like a strict parent who didn't laugh at all <laughs> they found a way to laugh at 11 30 so you watch that going like Wait, it can be done. So I was the Leno guy growing up, but I watched them all. I mean, I watched Fallon Now, Colbert, all kind of things. So yeah. I would say as a kid, but definitely Com was the first one. Everything MC came after that stuff. That's cool, man. Yeah, I I was Letterman, but I think everyone everyone like falls in one of those in one of those categories. You kind of respect all of them, but you have yeah. your favorite for sure. <laughs> I thought that story. every day that I had to write new material. In fact, my first six months of doing stand-up, I wrote new material every night, which the woman would tell you, you never do that. That's terrible. You work <laughs> on a craft, you get your jokes perfected. Don't, don't discard them. Um, because I thought that's how Leo did it. If I yeah, only yeah. knew it was yeah. as fake as pro wrestling, as a room of writers <laughs> <laughs> giving that dude jokes every night. You I would have done it. A couple million dollars of production behind him, and yeah. that's good. That's cool, man. Yeah, Robin Williams. Um, yeah, it sucks. One of a kind. Him and Carlin yeah. are the guys that my parents uh, had us grow up on. So mm-hmm. I hear yeah. you. Uh, as a DJ, you're doing a DJ gig. What's yeah. that one song you get on the floor that everyone's dancing? No one's dancing on, on the f- dance floor yet, but you want that one song. What is it? Mine would be Justin anything, Justin Bieber, for sure. But I want to <laughs> know what yours. What era of Justin Bieber? I, I, that's, that's uh, you serious? There's yeah. no era. I mean, all of it. His whole music catalog. From uh, Baby yeah. to Now. 
That's a very bold statement. Flo, you're you're walking into a danger trap here. But so let me just give you some background. Ray yeah. has the worst taste in all things entertainment that yeah. I've ever met. His favorite TV show is Prison Break. That's seasons not one through one hundred, whatever it is. Oh Ooh. my god, he's lying. I don't hate Bieber Man, but there's only one song I really like from him. And that's Cold Water. I think that's pretty pretty chill. But the the rest I'll I'll play in that one. Like eh, whatever. Uh, if it, I usually do weddings, so I'm what's called a mobile DJ open yep. format. So like mm-hmm. my job is to make sure everyone just plays the hits, which has yep. its own thing. Uh, for a long time, I was up until before the pandemic it was Uptown Funk because Grandma's got that song. It was like oh okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but Dua Lipa man, I mean that's the one I didn't think would be a hit. Like I thought I'm old enough to feel like. Oh, she's a young whippersnapper. No, she's bonafide, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, so levitating is the one I've paid the last year and a half. Whenever I have that in case of emergency start party, yeah. that's the one I go. Boom. With. All right, yep. gotcha. I think we're I think we're actually all uh, around the same age. So you're, you're talking you're talking to a, a good crowd here. We understand where you're coming from. But yeah. let me. Can I just go? Can I give you mine? Because it's a, right, it's a pretty me. good one. Uh, R. Kelly, happy people. Ooh. Oh yeah, no, you, it's it's a weird thing with R. Kelly, man. Like there is, I had a playlist called Cookout Music because uh, you know our people, right? Cookouts, right? Uh, I mean, like R. Kelly used to be featured heavily on that, oh, yeah. but now it's almost like it's a secret code. Like yo, I got some R. Kelly. Is that yeah. Okay? <laughs> oh, is that okay? Okay, thank you, thank you. You know what I mean? But yeah, the whole yeah. era, happy people, step in the name of love, man. Woo. His I'm version getting... of Cold Water is actually superior in some ways than Beavers, but I'm mm. just, I'm just paying. Hey, 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 you got to do what you got to do. Man. You got a career watch. <laughs> For here, <laughs> just, I didn't just say he was a period. Stop, it's like, hey, I, I'm canceled. Yo, let me get that beep beep a little, just a little bit one time. Okay, yeah, I got how you. Do you. How do you fall? Like, I feel like now this might come off bad, but I feel like everyone kind of backdoors or falls into like that DJ mold, you know what I mean? It's like it's a good. It's a good base for for someone in the entertainment industry who has mm-hmm. those skills to like hold a career down and then focus sure. on side projects. Like, is there an actual roadmap, or is it ever something you're like, man, I love DJ and I love so setting this thing up? And, and it, MC it's a and- complex question. For most people, it's it's quick income, right? Most most events are on weekends, so you can have a day job and then you can be a lot more creative on the weekend. This is why wedding DJs get a bad rap of being like, no, I'm playing my music, bro, because. <laughs> During the week, they're saying, yes, sir, no, ma'am, to their bosses. They want to be as creative as possible, right? Yeah. But for, for me, it was a little different, and you're going to laugh at this. But I fell into DJing a different way. I was a professional wrestling ring announcer. And so I went to a DJ company that had DJs, but didn't have any MCs. Everyone was in the, cor- in the corner or whatever. So I came as an MC. I learned to DJ during the back door because when you're getting married, playing the hits are important, but no one's really asking for a scrap mixologist at your wedding, but they want yeah. someone to be like, please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Like they want that yeah. whole theatrical thing as well. So right. yeah, so MC was my thing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So we all think we're funny. I mean, my wife will tell me otherwise that she thinks I'm the dumbest person in the room. But anyways, how did what made you make that leap becoming a stand-up comedian? And how was the first ever show? Because I would have to be lit out of my mind to stand up in a bunch of strangers for the first time. Yeah. Trying to get my jokes off and think I'm funny. I'm, I'm going to try to make this as, as lighthearted as possible, but I had a near death experience, right? So I almost died <laughs> one night and I had two big, well, there's a lot of regrets you have when you're about to die. If you guys ever had a near death experience, you're like, oh man, I wish I had more money. Oh uh, well, I wish I banged more people. Uh, but the, but the, the big regrets <laughs> I had was I want to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And, and do stand-up comedy because I grew up watching those like, talk shows. So when yeah. I recovered, uh, I just took class and it was six weeks of just stupid joke writing and my graduation was at that comedy store. Yeah. And so I was nervous out of my wits, but when uh, they called my name, I got like instantly not nervous. It yep. was like I was go 
going into something that I felt was comfortable with. So I knew from, from actually show one, that's something I wanted to do again, whether or not they liked my jokes or not. So yeah. I guess I guess when life says, look, man, you could die at any point in time, get hit by a bus, do what you want, then just do it. Nice. That's really interesting. We've talked to a lot of uh, sports psychologists on this show who say, you know, the most success, the successful people that they talk to have that kind of experience that jolts that motivation and that confidence inside of them. So it's interesting to say, Ray, we just got to do more risky shit, man. Yeah, apparently. Like drinking six days a week is not cutting it. Nope. <laughs> go out with Bill on the night of the town. We'll, our third co-host, he's a wild guy. So maybe we'll just start doing that. Go out that's with what, him. Yeah. That's what you call a slow death. How do you think yep. you're, how do you think you're, uh, <laughs> do you think your comedy has come along, uh, you know, since that time to, to now, you know, you got a couple albums out. Um, you know, do you, yeah. do you think you have a lot of ways to go? Or are you really happy with the progression that you've made? Like, how would you describe that comedic journey for you? It's hard to answer that question with the, the giant pandemic right in the middle of it, right? Yeah, uh, true. Uh, when we point. first started doing comedy, you're learning to write jokes. And jokes are cool, you know. Isn't it funny? Or I, I, I'm this kind of person. My background is so this. It's like this. Uh, when you start to get into, like, what makes you angry or what provokes you, then you hit your second stage. It's like year five or year six. And I felt I was getting better along those lines. But at the same time, I wasn't getting the bookings I wanted. I was entertaining the same amount of crowds. And when that happened, I said, I got to put my show on the road. Sorry, I'm just holding out there with the leaf blower. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, I, I, want, I want for that next level. I want to go places. In fact, in, in, in the beginning of 2012, I had put myself on the road. So I was going to do Alaska, some shows in Alaska, a couple shows in Tokyo. Oh, cool. I was going to go ahead and do it. And then 2020 just said, nope, <laughs> stay home. <laughs> and we don't know yeah. You know what I mean? So it worked out. That I got this to be more into comedic podcasting or what have you. That's where I got to grow on that level, being able to work with a live digital audience. But, but I really felt like it's time for me to really see if my stuff works outside of Los Angeles, outside of SoCal. That's interesting, man. I, re- I love that stuff. You know, Seinfeld's done a lot of that stuff since the show, kind of talking about comedy and um, what it all means. And behind every stand-up comedian, whether you know, even the best ones, there's always a joke. There's always a framework that goes along with the storytelling. And listen to your stuff, you can tell. That's why I asked the question, because I, I listened to um, uh, Cookies and Beer and the first kind of yeah. first kind of stuff through that. And then to what you're doing now is like, oh, this guy, like this, you're getting it. Like it's getting it's getting really good. So oh, man, I appreciate that. Cause we, a lot of times when you're creative, you're like, is anyone listening to me? <laughs> I swear I'm hilarious. <laughs> hey man, we get it. Actually, that was, was kind of actually one of my questions, but I, 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 before I forget this one, I wanted to ask your opinion on comedy itself and um, you know, the world that we're in, let's call it PC for lack of a better word. Like, do you have a line or do you subscribe to like, I don't know, the Bill Burr of everything's funny if it's funny. Like there's no line if it's funny. If you can make it, you someone laugh about it, then you can joke about anything. Do you where, where do you kind of fall on that? So I agree, but I also feel that there are certain there's certain topics that have a high degree of difficulty that if you got to go, you got to swing for the fences. Right. And so a lot of times I would, I would do that risk assessment and be like, no, I personally cannot make a joke about that. To right. me, that's not funny to be like, yeah. or whatever. But I, I think the difference is, and I know a lot of comics complain, they go, people are getting too PC. I personally disagree. I think the only difference is now is that you can find people that agree with you and have a mob online. I mean, that's a really big difference because yeah. people are clutching their pearls from day. Book burnings are our new thing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, you got to figure out what your audience is. And so I don't write jokes to offend. I'm not like on stage like, you know what the problem is with you people? But, <laughs> right. But, but I always tell the story when I first started doing comedy, I had this all black comics have this kind of structure when they first start out. And that is I am black, but, 
And so my thing was, I am black, but if I go to Africa, right, I will ask where the Chipotle is. I thought yeah. it was harmless <laughs> enough. And so I'm at the comedy store one time and someone pulls me aside after the show and he goes, look, man, I don't appreciate so many American comedians making fun of the African experience. And I was like, I, that, to me, the joke, I was a butt of my own joke. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah, an experience. But yeah. now I'm, I'm offending people I didn't realize. So I see why comics get offended or they get frustrated. Like, I don't know what's going to be the thing of taste. But the moment you censor yourself before you write the joke, you're done. So I say, right. go for it. Try it out. If someone says you've gone too far or it's too ahead of your time, then just say, hey, look, I'm sorry. I'll move on. I didn't realize it. Don't put yourself in a box. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a the point of don't censor yourself before you do it. I think is an important one because you're gonna offend somebody if some if, if enough oh, yeah. people especially here, nowadays you're absolutely gonna offend somebody. It almost doesn't matter what you say at this point. It's just mm-hmm. a it's just a, a a society and community of people getting mad to kind of get mad. So, uh, yeah, I'm a everything's funny if you can make it funny, but if you can't, don't say it. That's it's kind of where I'm at. And again, that's why our third host is not here most of the time. <laughs> at least for live shows. Um, right. Uh, what's the, go ahead. Uh, tell us about new Amsterdam radio. I mean, how'd you get involved in that and what can we hear on that? Oh yeah. So new Amsterdam radio was actually the one of the few pre pandemic shows that I host. And, uh, it started off just me talking to my phone. I had a podcast years ago. It was called 26 stone. Uh, cause I used to weigh uh, 26.9 stone, which is an old unit of measurement. So like, I used to weigh 375 pounds back in the day. Uh, no one listens to that. Damn. Yeah. Oh, that was too- you tried oh. to slip that in. Oh, well, ask, ask me a follow up question about that, because that's the reason why I almost had a near death experience, by the way. Uh, but but New Amsterdam was kind of like the spiritual successor to that. And I was on my phone just saying uh, news stories affecting creatives that I read like, hey, look, Elon Musk has a cyber truck out. Isn't it cool? He tried something new as a creative. You could try something new. Uh, and that was kind of my own thing, my own therapy, if you will. But then when the pandemic started, I was touring and I was really call- talking to other creatives. How are you getting through this? Because the world told us we're non-essential yeah. we're at home doing nothing yeah. what, like what are we doing so that became its own thing and uh kind of between my my live dj business and the podcast i had to basically incorporate as a business to qualify for relief loans and so yeah. new amsterdam radio became the crown jewel of the new amsterdam network of all the podcasts i host the live entertainment stuff the comedy touring thing so thankfully the pandemic made that happen i have yeah. no idea <laughs> yeah yeah it, you, you have to, you kind of fall into it that's how we ended up doing it we're just texting each other sports bullshit and like you want you want to yeah. do this over zoom because we can and uh yeah sometimes it goes somewhere that was actually my next question about like the creative side of thing and feeling like you're talking into a void or is anyone listening to me have you developed certain like mentalities to kind of get through that or is it you did it for long enough you were able to be solidified with uh, a, you know a certain guest appearance or someone say yeah man you got like x amount of people listening to you keep going like was there any what, what was that kind of process for you so this is another lesson i learned from professional wrestling man uh it, it, first of all anyone who's creative out there listening whatever you do a comedy show or a podcast when you first start out you're competing with a billion people i think there's like 400 million podcasts and like 300 million people in the united states it's like something weird like that uh one thing that i learned is you gotta get people the whole show when I was a ring announcer for professional wrestling, we will have shows where three people bought tickets. But for those yeah. three people who worked how many hours at Best Buy to get the money to buy that ticket, they deserve the whole show. And so it really comes down to what you're doing and what you love it. I love my late night talk format. So one of my shows is like I talk. I love talking to creatives. That's what I do. I'm just so happy to invite the public. But the moment I'm going, I'm doing this comedy show, you guys better listen to it or else or share it or else. You're going to be so sad 
because there's a lot of content that I don't know about you. My Netflix queue was like 40 movies deep, and that's Netflix. I pay them money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna take time to do a brand new podcast. So be patient with yourself. Yeah. yeah. No, that's 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 actually really good advice. I listened to um, the bonus episode you have on your site right now. And this is an aside from everything we just talked about, but it scared the shit out of me. It was um, now I, I've actually forgot it because it, it scared me so bad. The name of it. Oh, a new space. When they were just talking about getting uh, it was one example of uh, putting stuff on YouTube or talking about like Dogecoin and uh, the responsibilities and like they'll just shut you down. It confused me and scared me so bad. I have to go back and listen to it. I don't know if that was your plan. Well done. Get some clicks out of me. <laughs> so, so for those, like, New Amsterdam Radio was kind of like this, like, art, arts and culture, right? I'm going to get the Peabody Award doing it. And it started off people, hey, look, I wrote a book, or hey, I'm a comedian. But the thing is about, teach, about thinkers and doers is that they, people who were into their lane are just so passionate about it. So, yes, NFTs are a whole new thing for me. I minted my tweets for fun, for, for experimental purposes but when you have someone who gets on their show and they're just going on and on and on and you're like i'm gonna try to make this work but i'm not a journalist i'm not gonna yeah. be like so what you're trying to say is but i think at the same time if i was in that space i would go oh my god someone is thinking like oh i'm thinking this show is amazing so i kind of go for that angle but yeah there's sometimes sitting there going like <laughs> yeah yeah no totally, i mean totally yeah. get it you know our our whole, our whole concept of when we were starting to get guests is like just never say no so we've been talking to some people and it's like I don't know what the fuck this person's right. talking about. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's interesting to the people listening. Like you said, you might have one person out there that's like, oh, yeah, I get this. This is good. So you just kind of roll with it. <laughs> what was your idea for your show, What's Up, uh, uh, Floyd? Uh, yeah. Congrats. Uh, you scored the uh, NYX Video Award for on-camera talent. Uh, did you see anything on the late-night shows that you were just like, fuck this, uh, this all sucks? Uh, or was there something that you just wanted to put a spin on your own late-night show kind of thing? Sure. Uh, that was in the middle of the pandemic. Episode 50 was the week of this recording. And so you know, it was it was two things. One, I had a regular blog called What's Up Lobo, where yep. I would sit and talk about my life like as a creative. Hey, today I have to read this book or whatever. And so I wanted to take basically the idea from The Daily Show, because they were at home at the time. Yep. I said, hey, look, I want to talk about the news and what's happening around us. It was like, mind you, it was June 2020. Which you remember, it was a very hot month in the yeah. United States. Yeah. Uh, but that show evolved because it started off as me talking about, about what's happening in the news. I brought some guests on, so I wasn't talking to myself, but guests never read the news. Yeah, and I guess yeah. we were all burnt out by 2020. We weren't reading news at all. Yeah. And so it became like this late night kind of like funny talk show thing. And so for me, it becomes a challenge every day or every week where I hit live and I have a guest. And I have questions, but I go, how can I make this funny? How can I draw this out? How can I really show them a different side of people? So it became like late night talk show training. So all my friends would know that my dream in life is to host my own variety show yep. called Flopito Tonight. I think After Hours <laughs> is the interview segment of that. So it becomes like a, a training nice. thing. But it kind of evolved. It wasn't, I wasn't going in like, oh yeah, next stop found tonight. <laughs> it was, all right i can't talk to myself oh no yeah. one watches the news what the hell are you gonna do for an hour <laughs> yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's an interesting concept you get people yeah. to talk about stuff they don't know about it and you know you, if you're if you're good at it and you're quick like you said that late night talk show the ones who do it even though ray hates who do you hate one of them jimmy fallon i hate jimmy fallon but he's not on there <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's why letterman stuck with me he was so yeah. dry and so quick and so witty that you he yeah. could take anybody and you'd laugh whether it's at him or them or whatever else yeah, yeah. 
So I like the concept, man. He was I, on CBS, so we had rabbit ears. So CBS never came in there uh, in Brooklyn. <laughs> so like all the CBS shows go like Jag and stuff. I never watched it because it was always like, oh, I'm not gonna move that. That we moved we moved the antenna one time a week, and that was on Saturday night for early edition martial law and Walker, Texas Ranger. And all the other days it went back <laughs> to the other channels. <laughs> That's did how you ever have for him. Did you ever have one of those shows where you had someone standing by the rabbit ears so you could come in and clear and just be like, hey, 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 don't move, don't move, that's, stay right that's there. That's me. I was the youngest. So <laughs> oh, okay. So we were the same age, right? Back then, TVs came in these giant wooden boxes, oh, yeah. these fortified fortresses, <laughs> yeah. the zeniths, right? And yeah, so I would yeah. lean up on the zenith, yeah. put my shoulder on, and hold the antenna for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't it's move. Like, this is the good part. Don't move. Yeah, it's like, but I'm so tired. This yeah, is yeah. part two of Walker's Redemption <laughs> series, man. We can't miss the end of this. Stand <laughs> still. Flobo, you got pissed? Stay there. Stay there. <laughs> when you're in Texas, we're all sad. <laughs> Singing like, like a spiritual, you know? Look <laughs> So getting so, to know you, so before you go, Rich, but getting to know you, uh, you gave us a list of sports teams, Mets, yeah. Islanders, Nets, Texans fans. Do you just like rooting for terrible teams or is that just something oh, you're born into? Yeah, man. You know, disappointments like me like this. <laughs> Boom. Uh, what is different? I feel like of all the teams ever, like all the teams of sports, I identify more as a Mets fanatic. Like that was, that's my identity. And one time someone, I was doing a photo shoot and I had to wear a Yankees hat and I was like, Nah, nope, no, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Like, yo, yeah, we're yeah. paying you. I'm like, I don't care. I, 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 yeah. I couldn't compel myself. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they've been pretty fruitless for a long time. But I tell people this back when I was a kid, we're talking late 80s, early 90s, and stuff like that. It was cheap tickets. So you can go, you can go with a family. Yeah. And there were more people like me on screen. Like for every Paul O'Neill right, in the Bronx, there was like Ray Odonias or, you know, Butch Daryl Strawberry. Daryl Strawberry, Benny Agbayani. Like there were people that looked like me. So I was always uh, close to them. The Islanders, I have the most stupidest story for them. Uh, so they were had their dynasty in the 80s or whatever. But when I, so 90s kid that I am, I was in the Pogs, right? Remember Pogs? <laughs> oh, fuck it. Uh, slammers, my, baby. My best slammer was an Islander slammer. I was, I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as the Texans, man, like I was a Jets fan when I was a kid, but two two words were in that team for me, Vinny Testaverde. I was so sad. Uh, I picked a team with no playbook. I was just burned out by Gang Green. So yeah. yeah I said, fuck tough. this, I'm going to Houston. I'm taking the I'm taking my talents to Houston, baby. Let's go. Yeah, David Carter Mark Gaffey days. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you you combine that with the love for DC comics? You go to comedy, stand-up comedy in 2014. Was that just an outlet because you just picked such terrible things to root for? I mean, Marvel's shoving you guys in a locker for 20 yeah. years. It is, a, it is a rough vibe being on the losing side of everything. I was also a fat kid, too. So I was a fat kid. Yeah, go back uh, to that. Okay, hold on. Tell uh, us the, uh, the death story because you were oh. fat. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was a heavy, a heavy adult, really. By the time I was uh, two hundred, uh, yeah, respect. I weighed up to three hundred and seventy-five pounds at my heaviest, and I, I tried around my late twenties to work out because I had a sweat rag, bro. Like that's not cool. You can't get covered with a sweat rag. Like that's not. And I'm losing my hair, so I I lost my hair at twenty-two. So I was bald and and fat and pimply. Hold on, and pimply <laughs> hold on. Hold on. This, I don't know if you've made this a bit Check. yet, but this has to be a bit. You have to you have to flesh out that sweat rag a little bit more. How to hang? Where did you keep it? Was it an elastic waistband? It had to have been. Back pocket. I that's the thing. I always had a hard line. I will not buy pants with elastic waistband uh -huh, because good for I felt you. like wow. I was totally giving up. To this wow. day, you know, girls like I like men with sweatpants. I'm like tough. I wear them because <laughs> <laughs> when you wear six extra large, or in my case, a like fifty-six inch waist. I 
almost everything has an elastic waist. So like, I, I, yeah. And also I wear my pants at my waist. I didn't do the whole like over the belly thing. Old yeah. People do. Did the Urkel? You did the Urkel. I, I did not. I refuse to do that. So I would rather have my thing is just waving in the wind than to compromise the hammer pants. Like, no, I would not do it. We uh, call Ray's uh, that area the dark side of the fupa because when the <laughs> when the light hits it just right, it, it you're blocks. not fooling anybody. Exactly. <laughs> no, no. Getting, getting both camel toes. Um, <laughs> So, so I, I, I went out, I started working out. I, I actually worked out as hard as I could. I lost about 150 pounds. And Dang. people say, how do you do it? I was at the first 80 pounds was straight up the subway diet because I didn't really know about nutrition. I would go twice a week, twice a day, get the subway club, none of the, no mayo, no mustard, just like the meats and the, and the vegetables or whatever. So I lost yep. 150 pounds. But the thing is, I essentially been pregnant for 16 years. So my skin was like, crazy not elastic anymore and so yeah. i had a procedure to remove the skin i didn't get the lap band or anything like that i had a procedure to lose skin and i got what's called the i'm getting really in the weeds here uh-huh. uh, um a amblyoplasty. so basically i have an incision for my for my sternum to my <laughs> my little lobito <laughs> and, uh, and, and another cut from my waist to my waist like, a, like an upside down t and they open you up they cut off your skin they, they sew you back together Dang. so about two days after my procedure there was a line of my suture line that had reopened and started to bleed out so about four inches long two inches wide i'm just like i'm like gushing blood at the side oh of of my of my my body and so i call my plastic surgeon so la right so i call <laughs> my plastic surgeon i'm like oh i bleed now can you help me out he's like no, I can't. What? And I go, what do you mean you can't? He goes, well, at that point in time, the, the suture line is, isn't uh, sterile. You would have to go to the emergency room. But like my mom was there at the time. She was a nurse. But the, the, the wound was so big that moving me would have been certain death. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so what I did, mind you, I'm recovering from abdominal surgery. So think about trying to. Any like, move. Yeah, any movement. You're fucked. So I, I'm just like, oh, I, like holding this rag on this giant, and I'm like bleeding everywhere. Blood is warm and sticky. And when you're about to die, you get super scared. So you stop being scared. You just go like, well, I tried, you know? Yeah. So I, I was on the couch. I was like, well, this is it. Like, I'm going to die. And so I said, if I survive the night, I got to do the things I can do. And that's right. I'm going like, to do comedy. So I couldn't be on my back because my cut was on my side and I couldn't be on either side because I had ab surgery. So I was basically on one cheek, my left cheek, mm-hmm. overnight. And I wanted to sleep that way. And when I got up, the, the wound had congealed into like a giant oh. jello mass <laughs> and basically saved my life that way. Wow. And so to oh, me, shit. I was like within, I was like 15 minutes of bleeding out right inside of my house after Damn. this elective surgery. Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy. Yep. That's yeah. crazy. But it changed my life. It, it, I was like playing with house money ever since then so everything i got to do the esports stuff the podcasting stuff it's all bonus because of that night yeah but you, i mean hell of a you always get a cocktail story that's for sure <laughs> yeah, no, well no. these people are grossed out when i say that that's not really so anyway i was pretty <laughs> all over my life hey come back that's nuts man uh this you're, picture yeah. yeah so you're a big wwe fan born and raised man well, well, as well and these guys laugh at me all the time so i have some questions why does the product suck right now i'll give you my reason drew mcintyre versus bobby lashley for the fifth month in a row that is my reason why raw makes it hard to be a wrestling fan and i'll be honest with you i i I do a show called draped in gold and we review nxt and nxt uk every week i watch that as a fan i i'm i'm pretty much skimming raw now 
Yeah. I don't know if it's a third hour thing or is it because it's a least amount of a roster, but you got Roman Reigns on SmackDown. You could have four segments. And you're like, this, this dude's dope. This, this, but, but like four years ago, you'd be like, holy shit, this guy's boring me to death. Now you just got Paul Heyman, the Usos. It's like, yeah. it's actually enjoyable to watch because he actually has this character that you can actually follow and be like, oh, fuck, this guy is actually the real deal. It's a show within the show. But really you is. have you have Raw, and here's my theory for that brand specifically, is that Drew McIntyre is an absolute specimen. That is someone you know kids are going to get into in wrestling. I don't knock the kids. I know when Mincino was big, we would say, yeah, yeah. oh, it's for the kids. Because frankly, we all started as kids too. I was a huge Tatanka fan. He wasn't the greatest wrestler <laughs> of all time. But no. was my homie. You know, I, mean? yeah. I, I get it. And so you gave him the title during the time when they had empty chairs in the arena. Yeah. So you want to keep him in play. Bobby Lashley is an is a, a internet darling. In fact, that he was working for 16 or 18 years, finally got the title as a person of color. Yeah. We like that. But Raw is serving two masters. Is it for the kids spectacle or is it we giving hardworking yeah. internet wrestling fan like wrestlers a break? And you're getting both and it's pleasing no one. Like look at yeah. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt got his gimmick right, right, hijacked. Yeah. <laughs> it was given to Alexa Bliss. And it's like, yeah. oh, Alexa Bliss looks cool if you're a casual fan, but if yeah. you're a hardcore fan, you're like, well, who, what? What? what happened? Yeah. He comes yeah. back and he has this new gimmick, you know, burnt to death. He comes back and one and done. See you later. You're, you're all set. It's like, what? I don't understand the product right now, but uh, for my rankings, obviously NXT is the best thing that WWE has to offer right now. Then it's SmackDown, like you said, and then Raw's finally uh, at the end. What does the show needs to do to bring it back to like the late nineties, early two thousands, where it was like, yeah, it's heyday. What do you think has to change? You're not going to like this answer because I, I'm like you, but it, it can't go back. It can't go back, man. Because when I oh. was a kid in the 90s and my dad was like, you know, back with Chief J Strongbow. Oh, yeah. You're like, shut up, pop. You know, yeah. like, that's just the way it is. You, you, yeah. What makes NXT work? And I want to go back if you're watching every week. There's a, a woman wrestler on there now. Her name is Zoe Stark. I'll use yep. her as an example. Yeah, yeah. She, she showed up and had two matches in the, in the first hour main event spot. Then she beats a former champion at a, at a takeover pre-show. And now you know exactly who she is. You're not be a fan of Zoe Stark, but they no. introduce a character in six weeks or less. No. At Raw, you get like two weeks and then you get the Umberto Carrillo yoink. You get the Keith Lee yoink. You yep. get the Retribution yoink. Like you got to double down on people and say, yeah. look, they may not be into you now, but we're going to give these guys a couple of weeks to get some resonance with people. Because yeah. I can tell you, kids will probably buy an Umberto Carrillo action figure, but explain that to your friends. Yo, man, Carrillo is hot. Like, yeah. No, no, he's not. <laughs> but do you think that's like a Vince McMahon kind of thing? Because obviously Triple H is making these guys into stars down NXT. Yeah. You know, like I remember when uh, Alistair Black, I mean, that was like one of my guys. I was watching like, God damn, this guy's going to be something. You know, yeah. we'll get him to the main roster. Then he gets there and see you later. You're released. It's like, what, what are they doing? Like once they get to the main roster. Yeah, Vince, when you have anyone at top, it doesn't matter if it's a hands-on CEO of corporate America or the guy who financed. Look, I do weddings. So yeah. many fathers of the brides are like, you're playing funk. You're like, but everyone loves this. <laughs> funk! You know what I mean? Yes, sir. You, yes, sir. You Whatever you would like, per- sir. Yeah. And, I, and I know people say Vince is seen now. It's like he's, I, don't, I disagree. I think he's a savvy business person. But when you have yeah. one person, a lot of times it's going to fall through the cracks, especially that one person is so different than what we're yeah. used to. Yeah. I look so at Keith you, Lee. I'm not a big Keith. Sorry to cut you off. I'm not going to be a Keith fan, but it's a total presentation. I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's just when you do anything for, for as long as you do it, uh, it, you'll, it gets stale. I mean, yeah. you know, if the only the best of the best can can uh, go with the tides and, and make the changes themselves. And, you know, arguably Vince McMahon has been one of the best that in the entertainment industry for a really, really long time. Sometimes yeah. it just, you know, whether the senile or not, or whether you've lost touch with what people like because you're older or whatever, you just time runs out. 
Yeah, time yeah. runs out. It's true. But Rest uh, in peace, Tom Brady. He's dead to us. <laughs> oh, he is. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Bill is our third host. He couldn't be here tonight because of family reasons or whatever. So, he had one question or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we, we can't talk about Bill's side life. It, it just, it's a big no no. Yeah. But uh, your story times like a million depressed. <laughs> Well, now I got to hear this. <laughs> He's just a degenerate. There's nothing yeah. else to say. <laughs> he lives in a trash can, smokes a lot of weed, and just, you know, does his own thing. <laughs> I want to do that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is the Sydney? He wants to know what a Sydney rooster is, and he's hoping for it's a new sex position, but I feel like he's going to be very disappointed when you tell us the real. Oh, uh, the short answer is they are an Australian rugby team. Uh, the rugby league team. Mm. And the reason why I like them is because during the pandemic, they were the last sport league to close and the first one to open. Did they oh. take a long weekend? They're just like, okay, we're back. <laughs> you got to, you got to like that then. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was that time where there was like nothing on sports wise, but like bowling and like Korean baseball and cornhole. Yeah. Yeah. World <laughs> cornhole championship. So the first game I watched was like the Eagles versus the Roosters. And I picked them. I was like, they, they named themselves after some cocks. I'm all about that. Whatever, <laughs> hey, if you have that kind of energy and not and be securing yourself to say that, then why not? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, all right. That's a really good enough reason. And I, and I respect the dedication to sports, but. I think the sex position's better, so we'll just cut all that. <laughs> I'm going to give it a Sydney Rooster. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's Sydney Rooster last night. Go it's to UrbanDictionary.com and just start looking. What is never it gets Sydney explained. Rooster. It's like a, it's a worldwide telephone. People just start making shit up, and then it starts happening. I oh, like yeah. That. Oh, yeah. And then, and then someone will get a uh, cease and desist from the rugby team out in <laughs> all right this has been fun man we have uh two uh one last question and then uh, we want to know where to find all of your uh stuff that we've been talking about here sure. um this is another degenerate question from the queen uh bill our I third host could you beat a black bear with your bare, bare hands to death hell no nah, man i <sighs> what <laughs> Yeah, you know, what you gotta do is you gotta get a weapon of some sort. You know, you gotta distract them with something shiny, and they would sucker punch that motherfucker. Well, see, he he says that he the black bear is a berry eating pussy, and he could kill it with his bare hands. This but then the we said if we put it in a cage, it's now there's different rules. He couldn't do it. But if it's out in the open in the wilderness, he says a berry eating piece of shit animal can never beat him. I would his, say this: he he might. But if he were to be killed by this bear, I would have show up to the funeral and be like, this guy thought he could take down a bear. And that bear said no. Just go to his cask and go, ha! Like, just walk away. He yeah. said, what? He deserved it. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll dump the natty light on his casket and walk away. Oh, man, yeah. natty light, not even bush. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. Okay, uh, so I feel like we're friends now. I feel like you got a lot going on. I think that we can be a, can, a, a beautiful attribute to all of your podcast situations. Yeah. Just let us know whatever we can do for you. But more importantly, let our listeners know where we can find everything you got going on the website whatever you got coming up next uh yeah. live shows you got coming up the floor is yours man we appreciate the time with us oh absolutely well i'm on that social media at fobo boys on instagram and on twitter um i'm on youtube as well youtube.com slash fobo boys if you want to book me in the southern california area flowbito.com that's f-l-o-b-i-t-o.com and if you want any information about the eight or nine show that i host uh let know at newamsterdam.com k-n-e wamsterdam.com all the shows are on that umbrella all right man we'll have that all in the video we'll put all that up on social media and everything too so yeah, i got no one more. question uh oh, go ahead. batman superhero or not oh sorry yeah I oh absolutely not 
I'm a DC person. I hate, I hate Batman. God I'll, damn it. I pick, Lobo, I, I thought you were going to be on my side for once on this. Oh, uh, damn it. I'm sorry. He's a rich guy. He's a rich oh, guy. He is, he is, he's super privileged, bro. Like, what do you, what do you want me to say? Root <laughs> for him? Damn it. No. <laughs> Iron Man all the way. Sorry. Sorry, Ray. The bottom of the totem pole of dumb loses again. Yep. Um, all right, man. We'll get all that up. We'll, we'll hopefully, uh, you know, catch up again. And yeah, stay in touch, man. This was fun. And good luck with everything. Yeah, good luck, man. All right, take it easy, man. Later, man. You were over on that question, bud. Mm-hmm. One day, one day we'll find someone that says Batman's a superhero. I mean, there are definitely people as dim with you as you in the world. Well, I thank you for saying those kind of words. I appreciate yeah, no, that. No, we can definitely find that level. It's just we're striving for something a little bit better. Yep. Clearly, yep. Flobo was better. Maybe if we were to a homeless man on the streets and I asked this question, they'll uh, agree with me for once. No, but... I think that they'll have the same privilege to answer. Like, fuck that Ooh. guy. He's got a ton of money. So who like, do you think I have? What, what do you think my, my uh, person that I should go see? Like, what kind of level of person do you think would agree with me? Dumb fat, dumb fat idiot. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. There's a room. Start there. Bring some hard candies. <laughs> Is this 808? <laughs> self, self. That's a self. Self beat. You gotta love it. That's prolonged, too. I don't think any of it's usable.